Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to Dwell, a podcast by homeschool moms for homeschool moms. My name is Karen Kern, and I'm here today with my co host, Renee Mathis, and our guest today, Rebecca Leland. Hello, ladies. Hi, Karen. Hi. It's so great to be with you today. I, I got to see Rebecca today already because I am teaching in her co-op. And so I'm teaching writing and rhetoric to fifth and sixth graders. Her boys are in it, grandson of mine's in it, and some other children that I love. And so it was fun. I got to see you. And then um, I was given eggs and sourdough bread. Sourdough <laughs> bread Rebecca made as payment. Oh, wonderful. So that was my morning. What'd you guys do? I was going to say, well, I saw Rebecca this morning on Instagram. I opened up Instagram and there's Rebecca posting her sweet children. And I guess it was a first day of school picture. Uh, Everyone's doing that. It's so fun to see all the first day of school pictures pop up, whether, you know, I've even seen first day of college pictures. Bless those kids because they know their moms. Their moms love to see them no matter what. (laughs) I know. I I never did that. (laughs) Yeah. And Rebecca, you got to stay home today with your youngest two while the older ones were at co-op, right? Mm-hmm. I spent the morning with Mary and Olga. They are seven and three. Um, and so we got to do little things, which was really nice. you know. Yeah. So it- yesterday was your regular co-op day with like everybody for the That's whole right. day. And then today is more like specialized for the older kids, which That's is what right. I was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, why don't you just jump in here and tell us about yourself and about your life here in Concord and um, even a little bit about you growing up here as a second generation homeschooler. Sure. Yeah. So um, I have five siblings. So there were six of us growing up and my mom, um, she homeschooled all of us all the way through, um, except my youngest two sisters who she put in high school when they hit high school. Um, but all the rest of us were homeschooled all the way, kind of really before people knew what homeschooling was. 
my mom. I remember when I was really young, she would say, if anyone asks you why you're not in school, here's what you say. You come get me. You know, it was just a normal um, thing to be expected that you'll be asked, why aren't you in school? Oh, we homeschool. Well, what is that? Yeah. But she, she was a Charlotte Mason homeschooler before that was a thing. And I didn't really realize that until I got older and was looking into homeschooling my own children. And I realized, oh, she has all of the books I want on her bookshelf. I know what all these books, I've seen them my whole life, you know, the six volumes of the Charlotte Mason books, the Sally Clarkson and the Susan Schaefer Macaulay and all those books. She already had all those and she had already done all of those things with us. Uh, In fact, when I read For the Children's Sake, which is one of my favorites, um, I was just struck with the realization that, oh, this is what my mom did with us. So that was kind of a cool thing to realize as an adult. But we were very, um, we didn't have a lot of money. And um, I was completely unaware of our poverty um, (laughs) because we were in a wonderful church and surrounded by wonderful people. And um, I never felt like I missed out on anything. My parents created this sort of uh, charmed childhood for us uh, somehow with, uh, you know, I was always reading or playing in the woods or lost in my imagination um, or helping around the house. She had us doing a lot of things, obviously. But we were also part of homeschool support groups. So back then there weren't really like these co-ops that there are now. Uh, It was just you joined the homeschool support group, like, and they always had these funny names, these acronyms. The one we joined was called WINGS, and I don't even know what it was. I can't remember what it stood for. Another one we were part of later was called LIFE, and my mom was actually president of that one. But we got to do a lot of really cool things through the support groups, actually, because you if you join the support group, you have to have a job. You don't pay, you have to have a job. And so someone's job might be, oh, I'll teach a Spanish class. And someone else's job might be treasurer or someone else's job. You know, it was just, you have all these different jobs. And so we were given a lot of opportunities um, through the support groups. It's funny to see how homeschooling has sort of changed because there aren't a lot of those anymore, I don't think. Did you guys do homeschool support groups at all? Rebecca, I think I have a lot in common with your mom. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did one while well, Andrew did um, a two day a week composition class for a long time. So we like supplied that to other people's kids when our kids were younger. Uh-huh. And then um, actually, Rebecca, I met your mom back when Katie was doing um, art at Martha's. And so she brought your sisters and I brought her and then you know, we were the moms there. So that's where I met your mom, actually. So that actually what? turned out, that was, those art classes were actually her contribution to our homeschool group. That was her job. Mm-hmm. And then as it became bigger, she began to charge money for it because it became like a home business. Yeah. But originally it was just our homeschool group, those art classes, and that was just her job. So yeah, we, we did a lot of things. Um, like that. In fact, I was able to take piano lessons because we traded our, my mom had a friend who was a wonderful piano teacher and she asked for homemade bread. And every week I would make the bread in the morning and then we would go to piano lessons and it was, you know, a trade. And that's how I got to take music lessons. 
which is kind of funny because that's just what I did with you. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I just, uh, yes, it's, it's a beautiful way to um, meet other people's needs and to not have to spend your money. And I, um, I actually forget if I said when I introduced you that that topic was homeschooling on a budget. Did I say that? I don't oh, think so, but it's still early. Yeah, but that's where that's where we're going, and that's what that's what we're talking about is homeschooling on a budget. So those are really good, you know, ideas that your mom had back in the day. Rebecca, tell us about the rest of your kids. How old are they? Uh, so I have um, two boys, and they are eleven and ten. Um, and then a nine-year-old girl, seven-year-old girl, and a three-year-old girl. So what does Josh do? Tell us about that. So my husband is a teacher. Uh, he's a high school teacher at the local classical school where, and that's where I met you, Karen. Yeah, that's, that's where we taught together. Uh-huh. Before um, children, before your kids. Before children, I taught there. Yeah. And, and then Josh, um, he's taught there now for almost 10 years, I think. Um, but he loves it. He's a wonderful, wonderful teacher. It really is his um, calling. It's his gifting. Um, and we're really thankful that he's there. It's a good school. But it, I mean, it does mean that, you know, your income isn't exorbitant and it's a what you're a one income family with a lot of kids and homeschooling and trying to provide for them all the things that you as a mom want your kids to have. And sometimes that's hard, I'm sure. It is. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a sacrifice. And homeschooling on a budget or low-income homeschooling, whatever you want to call it, it has its, it has its downsides, but you have to just be really um, creative. And I found myself searching out all the ways that we can do things even without a lot of money. You know, like I buy my books from thrift books or Goodwill, or I borrow from friends, or I use the library. I use the library so much. I probably, all of my, you know, you can put books on hold and all of my holds are always maxed out. And I keep waiting for them to come in so I can put the next things on hold that I need. Um, So most of our history supplemental books are all from the library, um, which of course is free. I also ask for things for my birthday. So a couple of years ago, well, probably six or seven years ago, I really wanted the, my book house set the whole, all the whole books. And, um, uh, so I put it, I told my mom, this is what I want for my birthday. And she got it for me. She went on eBay, she bought the old set and she gave it to me for my birthday. So, you know, <laughs> it's probably not what I would actually have on my birthday list, but I really wanted that for my homeschool. And so, um, that's what I asked for, for my birthday. Um, and then there's, you know, there's lots of things um, that generally low-income families are not able to do. Lessons, you know, music lessons and gymnastics and all, all these things that you want your kids to be able to do. And um, I have done a lot of seeking out and researching things like financial aid and scholarships and um my 10-year-old son actually just got, he was awarded a scholarship for private violin lessons. Um, so it's very exciting for him. He's very excited to do that. Um, but again, you know, it was a lot of research and figuring that out and applying and he had to write the essay. And so those are the sorts of things that we do 
in order to be able to, you know, take advantage of things without a lot of money. Um, but I would say probably the, the biggest thing that we, that I have found to be helpful is taking advantage of my friends because all of us have such different giftings and different education. Um, and so homeschooling in a, in, in community is wonderful if you're trying to homeschool on a budget, because I have friends who, um, can teach things that I can't teach. For example, I, I have a Friday co-op that has, um, I've met with for the past six years, I think. And it's with four of my, or three, three of my childhood friends. Um, it was sort of born out of the, the desire to stay in touch. We didn't go to the same churches anymore. And we wanted our kids to grow up as friends. And so we said, well, let's make a little co-op. And our kids were really young at the time. Um, but one of my friends was a music teacher. She had, she owned a music school in Charlotte and, um, she was just having kids of her own and getting ready to shut down the music school so that she could, you know, focus on her own children. Anyway, she said, well, I'll teach music. So all five of my kids are learning stringed instruments for free. And, you know, I had another friend who, um, teaches history. And so she does all these hands-on cool history projects with the kids every Friday that I just would never do. I don't like those crafty things. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I can teach um, Spanish and, and I love, um, I, I always teach the folk songs and the poetry and the hymns um, because that's what I love so much. And so we're just trading our expertise in order to give our children these things that we may not be able to possess and that we can't pay for. Seems like your mom has taught you very well. And, um, I love how you're kind of taking those, those things that you've learned in with your own family. Um, do you have, do you have ideas or suggestions for things like, you know, extra activities like field trips or museums, or do you find yourself doing that? Or is it just, you know, it's just kind of hard with five kids. So you have other alternatives. Talk a little bit about that. So we haven't probably done a whole lot of museums. We do some, but I was, um, I feel like I'm just climbing out of the, I have four toddlers and can't do anything stage. Um, I felt really overwhelmed for a long time. In fact, having my own children and trying to homeschool them was such a wake up call. For me um because I thought I would just do what my mom did and but then when you actually have your babies and mine are very very close in age it's a whole different thing as you know and I thought I could just do it and it would be beautiful and smooth and seamless um but yeah it was a bit of a wake-up call so I I would like to go to museums you know my kids are at the age now where I think they would love it so hopefully that'll be um, on the radar soon. There's a lot of, I know, free museums, especially um, here in North Carolina in the capital, in Raleigh, you can get into all sorts of museums for free. Um, there's a wonderful um, Andrew Wyeth Art Museum in Greenville, South Carolina that my husband and I used to go to 
a lot before we had children and it's free and we're hoping to take our kids soon. We had planned actually to do a lot of things in 2020 and everything shut down. Yeah. Yeah. I I know when we were in our support group, which our support group initials didn't spell anything we could pronounce. So (laughs) W-H-H-E. Someone tried to call it we and it never did work. But yeah, Um, I I do remember, you know, my younger three were real close in age and all in diapers, it seemed like at the same time. So a lot of times I would send my older two with other other families and they would graciously offer to take them to the field trip so that I could stay home with the babies. So you're right. You know, it's great to be in a community with friends and and you find a way to make make these things work and to, to make them happen. And, and I know being in Houston, then maybe that's just part of being in a large city. We had, you know, all the museums it seems like had free days or one Saturday a month, yeah. they, they maybe would have free admission or something like that. But and then there's and even if they don't have free, oftentimes you can get group rates. Right. Yeah. And, and then just going outside and, and finding a new park on another side of town that you haven't been to. And that's always new and fresh. So, yeah, Rebecca, didn't you guys find a new place in the mountains to go to this year? <sighs> new swimming hole or a river or something. We did. And it, you just took advantage of that multiple yeah, times. It's a bit off the beaten path. But yes, it, it, it was probably the most fun thing that we did this summer. We probably went six times. Yeah. It's because it's hard, you know, when, well, I mean, not just homeschoolers, but any family that sees uh, families going on fancy vacations, Disney, or, you know, flying somewhere, getting a plane, or family goes somewhere fun, and you're, you know, at home again, still. <laughs> But um, you guys go camping, right? You go camping with your family? We do go camping. Um, That's the cheapest, obviously, the cheapest way to take vacations. Um, And usually once a year, we will go to the beach. Um, My parents invite me and my siblings and our spouses and children to come to the beach once a year, uh, which is really the only vacation that we take. Um, But it's, it's so fun. It's the best. What great memories. I'm sure they have a lot of cousins since you came from a big family. So. They do have a lot of cousins. My parents have had to stagger, actually, us coming because it's too many. That's great. I love that you you said that, um, it. well, I mean, not that you had to experience it, but that having your own children was a wake-up call and having them all young when you watched your mom do that. So it indicates that she must have been able to do that with grace. You know, that you didn't, you weren't thinking, oh, this is going to be terrible. You know, my mother used to be pulling her hair out. This was rather, oh, my mom did this so well. I can do this. Oh, this is really hard. <laughs> exactly. Oh, this is way harder than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It, there were days where I just wanted to go back to teaching high school. I thought, oh, that's so much easier. I would rather be with a whole bunch of high schoolers and then be able to come home, you know, than with these three toddlers. And my, my first uh, three kids are two and a half years. I had them all in two and a half years. And so they're, they really were three toddlers at once. And so you have, you know, the three babies all crying at the same time. And it was overwhelming. And I wondered, you know, how do women do this? How do you, how do you survive this stage? Um, but you do every day. 
and it's hard. Yeah. Much harder than I thought it was going to be. So Rebecca, I'm curious because since you're younger and this wasn't a real thing when Karen and I were homeschooling, but how does the whole social media thing affect what, what homeschooling life is like now? Yeah, I think social media has a pretty, um, it has a pretty big effect on what people do in their homeschool. And I, I think that can be a good thing. It can be a not so good thing. Um, I am on Instagram um, pretty minimally. It's like a private account, you know. Um, I'm not on Facebook, so I don't, I don't really see what goes on there. Um, but Instagram, there's a lot of homeschooling moms on Instagram who do amazing things with their kids and their families. And um, I want to say that that's inspiring to me. Um, and sometimes it is, uh, often it is discouraging because, you know, you might see a really beautiful photograph that someone posts of their schoolroom or, you know, what they're doing. And, and, you know, my, like today I was telling Karen, you know, my schoolroom, which is also my dining room is currently just covered in notebooks and books and, you know, crumbs and um, laundry is everywhere. And there's branches of ro- of a rosemary bush spread out everywhere because I'm trying to dry the rosemary in order to put into a jar. You know, it's just, it's, it's chaotic. And if I took a picture of that, it would not be very beautiful. Um, so sometimes when you see those, those really beautiful pictures that people post, it can discourage me because, you know, generally that is not what my homeschooling looks like. Um, I wish it was, but generally it's the nitty gritty day to day, quick, clear the lunch dishes. All right, let's get the math out. Let's do it. But that's real life. And that is beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I agree. I would encourage you don't give up. <laughs> No. <laughs> you're you're doing you're yeah. doing amazing wonderful things and it's just it's hard it is hard and I can't I can't imagine you know having to deal with I, I would if it were me I would be discouraged looking at all the picture perfect accounts out there and and you know I think I guess it's just a skill we need in this day and age to learn how to navigate that and, and how to take what is useful and and not let the rest get in the way of what we're yeah I think so I think there are some really positive things about social media. And one of my favorite things is the resources that people share and the lists that they share, you know, ideas or book lists or um, those are so helpful. And those are the posts that I actually end up saving in my file and and coming back to. So in that sense, I I really like um, social media for those sorts of things. It can be incredibly helpful. Um, because there, there are things out there that I never would have known about if some, you know, so-and-so hadn't posted about it. Are there any um, resources that you particularly love? Are there homeschooling authors, books, um, speakers, social media, Instagrammers uh, that you love or that you recommend following? Um, books? Um, I do a lot of things 
for my own education because otherwise I feel like it's just a, a need I have is to sort of fill this love I have for learning philosophy and theology and art and all the things. Um, and so I read a lot. I don't know that I have specific authors that I would say um, I try to read really widely and cover a lot of things. There are a lot of resources like the Hillsdale online free courses. Oh yeah. Um, those are really wonderful. Um, and there's actually something I just learned about called the Catherine project. Have you heard of this? The what project? The Catherine, like St. Catherine, mm-hmm. Alexandria. It's called, it's um, catherineproject.org. And it is um, reading groups or tutorials you can, you can choose. Um, and their course listings are amazing. And I haven't done it yet. Um, I would like to do it, but it's all free. You is have this to- for you or for your kids? For me. For me. Yeah. Just for my own edification and education. Um, so I haven't done it yet, but I would like to. You have to apply. They said that um, they get way more applicants than they are able to accept. So it sounds a little competitive. Um, but if, if you're accepted, it's totally free. And they're, you know, they're reading Homer and Plato and all the things. Oh, wow. That seems like a really great thing to find out about. But that's an, you know, that's an example of something I discovered on social media because someone posted about the Catherine Project um, and I was able to look it up. Well, I love that you said you, you put a priority on your own learning as well, because that's so important for homeschool moms. You know, we've, we've got to be drinking from that, that stream in order to in turn refresh those that we're supposed to be pouring into. And um, you're right. There's, there's a lot of, there are a lot of good stuff out there for us as well. There is. Um, and even, even book clubs, you know, forming book clubs with your friends that you, you're, you could read these sorts of hard books with other people who also want to read the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a lot of that and those are my favorite things. Yeah. I am fortunate enough to have you in my book club. Yes. Okay. I'm jealous. I don't live there. I don't get to be in your book club. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You should move here. <laughs> Never mind that you just bought yeah, a house. We, built would, a- we would have way too much fun. Yeah. I'm curious, how, which comes first? Do you, do you find find the friends and say, hey, let's read this book? Or or do you find people that are interested in the book and then all of a sudden you become great friends because you bonded over these books? I So I have been fortunate to live in the same place my whole life. Um, and that, so I'm still friends with so many of my childhood friends. Um, and a lot of book clubs have sort of formed around that. But also the book club that um, Karen leads, the, the Kindred Book Club, um, I've made friends through that book club that I wouldn't have otherwise known. And so we've sort of come together around the book itself, you know. So I think it's really beautiful either way that it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have a question unrelated to all of this, but um, related to uh, living on a budget. Mm-hmm. What are some of your, like, as, okay, so... I went to Harris Teeter today, our grocery store, and every time I go in, it seems like everything's more expensive and I'm spending more than ever on food. Well, you know, I mean, we've had a lot of kids in and out of the house right now, but 
um, just the fun and lots of dinners and things. So I'm spending a lot on food, but I'm really noticing that. So you are cooking for five children and a husband, and you've got some boys that are approaching teenage years. Um, what are some things that you do to keep your grocery budget where it needs to be? So this is nothing revolutionary, <laughs> but I, I make everything. Um, you know, we don't eat out and I don't buy pre-made food. Um, we live in a really small house, so buying in bulk is not really um, an option for us. I don't have room for a freezer, you know, an extra freezer or an extra fridge or any of those sorts of things. Um, I did buy recently um, bulk flour because I go, I do go through a lot of flour. And so there's a mill nearby and uh, I went to the mill and got 200 pounds of organic flour for so cheap. Oh, wow. What's the name of that mill? Uh, it's called Lindley, Lindley Mills. Um, so I have, you know, the food grade buckets stuck right. in my kitchen, just there. Um, but that's where it is. And um, yeah, it's buying in bulk is great. Um, but if you don't have space and I don't have a pantry, you know, I have very limited cabinets. It's hard to do that. Um, but I do. We make everything from scratch and that probably is the biggest thing that keeps our grocery bill down. Yeah. But you also managed to get whole milk in the farm. Do you, do you still do that? We do. Yeah. So, and that's not cheap, but it's worth sacrifice, right? It is. It is. And it's contraband here in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. So you have to go <laughs> South Carolina. Hopefully nobody you know. Laws listening. <laughs> They'll be at your door. <laughs> no, you know, um, grocery budgeting is interesting because it's all about priorities, just like anything else. And it's about sacrifice. Yeah. Right? Anytime you make choices, you're sacrificing one thing in order to get another thing. And so, you know, the example of milk would be it is expensive, the raw milk, but we are sacrificing somewhere else to be able to put money toward the raw milk. So it just depends on where your priorities lie. Yeah. Um, and I think that really applies. That's just a much bigger topic, right? Homeschool moms are so familiar with this idea of um, sacrificing because most of us are living on one income. Mm -hmm. And so we've sacrificed all kinds of things that we might have had if we had two incomes, you know, the life that I wanted on land and cows and, you know, 10 acres and all the things, um, those are the things that we have sacrificed, for instance, in order to have our children here at home with us. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that your husband's job teaching is a calling. You know, and it's, it's a sacrifice for him to um, obey that calling and to not finding that job doing something else that might have income. But he's doing A, what he loves and what he feels he should be doing and what he's doing. It is. And, you know, I think a lot of people um, have wondered about us. And I haven't had too many people say it to my face, but I have had friends say, you know, how are you living on that? Um, 
But, you know, we came into this with our eyes open, you know, it was, we chose it. We sort of a chosen poverty, if you want to put it that way. We're not here by accident and we accidentally didn't do something we should have done, but we chose this particular life and it, it is a sacrifice. Um, and, and it's a beautiful life that you have. Your children are amazing. You know, even today, after I finished my class, Calvin, your 10-year-old said, thank you, Miss Karen. You know, how many children say thank you after a writing lesson? You know, and they're just, every time I teach them in church school also, they always say thank you. And I, I think that that comes from just a, a feeling of thankfulness and thankful for all the things I have. I don't have, you know, they're, they're aware of the blessings they are. And, it, and I don't want to give the impression that we don't have a beautiful life because I, I wouldn't trade our life for anything. It is, and it's, you know, it's, it's our goal is to surround our children with beauty. Um, and it might look different for us, right? We don't live in like a beautiful home um, or have beautiful rolling hills or anything like that. Um, one day I'll write a book called Beauty on a Budget. <laughs> but there are other things, you know, there's, there's so many ways to surround your children with, with beauty. Um, and I think having them here and homeschooling them and giving them um, the freedom that homeschooling allows for, um, allows us to place them in a place where they will flourish. Um, and for now that's at home. And we do, you know, little things to create beauty, like every, every night we eat dinner together and we read together and um, we listen to beautiful music. We have beautiful books to read. We garden, um, you know, all the little things you can do to surround your children with beauty. They don't have to cost a lot of money or you don't have to have a big, beautiful house. Well, Rebecca, um, when you write that book, Beauty on a Budget, I'll be first in line to buy it because I think you have a lot that you could share on that subject. Um, and, and I just want to thank you for being with us today. You, you used the word poverty a couple of times, but I would not have used that word to describe you or your life or your children. It seems like you are very, very rich in, in the things that matter. Thank you. That is so thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening, listeners. We're glad that you've joined us and um, we hope you'll join us next time on Dwell Again. Here's to home. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.